How good could new Auburn quarterback Peyton Thorne be for Hugh Freeze's offense? I think he could be pretty good. Freezing temperatures are likely for several hours inland and a few hours closer to the coast. Yes. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackerby, and thank you so much for making Locked On Auburn your first listen every single day. Joining me as he does every single Monday, the everydayers out there know this. Lindsey Crosby, writer at AuburnDaily.com and host of Locked On MLB Prospects. What a weekend for Hugh Freeze and the Auburn Tigers that go out and get a new quarterback. Peyton Thorne becomes official, signs, all of that good stuff. And then they also add former Ohio State wide receiver, now Auburn Tiger, Caleb Burton. And we'll discuss what that looks like as far as a wide receiver pecking order going forward. But, Lindsay, I guess the big question is, okay, Peyton Thorne is a quarterback. It's great. It's exciting. How much better does it make you in 2023? And Lindsey, I think it makes Auburn significantly better, assuming he's the starter going into the season. Yeah, I mean, look at this offense last year, and like arguably the two the, the two things that held back this offense the most were uh, the offensive line mm-hmm. and just the inability to reliably pass protect at all, and then the quarterback play. And specifically, being able to complete not only uh, shots down the field, but the routine plays. Baseball coach Butch Thompson has a thing, dominate the routine play. You need to make the easy completions and then give your guy a shot to make the tough ones. And Auburn does literally unprecedented work in the, in the transfer portal to yeah. handle the offensive line issue. I mean, they go out and they get multiple day one starters out of the line. Uh, out of the portal, a thing yep. that just we have not seen in this modern era of college football. We didn't know but, it was possible. It is. Exactly. Yep. But then they go out and they get a quarterback that is experienced, that uh, can do all of the routine plays, can do some of the hard plays, right? and just raises the ceiling and the floor of this offense. And that's the thing to be really excited about. So when you talk to folks close to Michigan State, or the folks that cover the Big Ten closely, the reviews on Peyton Thorne are unanimously good. I haven't found anybody that has told me, eh, watch out. Everybody talks about how he's really better than what his stats were when he was there. And so I made a point. I wanted to watch as much stuff from last season as I could before I went back to watch his 2021 stuff. And so over the weekend... Watched several games, got most of the season in when you're looking at the 2022 season. And the bottom line here, Lindsay, is the offense, it was bad. Like, Michigan State's scheme stunk. They had an okay running back. They've got some good wide receivers. And I think Peyton Thorne was pretty dang good. The offensive line was average at best. He will have a better offensive line at Auburn uh, going into the situation, which is exciting. But I think something that stood out to me in all of this was, okay, he's very good at understanding and feeling the pocket around him, which is cool because you're still going to have to do that in the SEC. I don't care how good your offensive line is. You're still going to have to do that. And he was very good at knowing when he needed to release the ball quickly versus when he could put more umph into it. That's great. 
That's good experience stuff. That is a tr- some traits of a quarterback that has been playing college football for several seasons. You love that. You absolutely love that. The other thing is like how good Keon Coleman is. And I don't think Auburn's going to add Keon Coleman, but I say this. Keon Coleman, his ability was winning 50-50 balls. And a key element of winning 50-50 balls is your quarterback needs to have elite placement consistently when doing all of that. And just the the scheme that Michigan State ran last year, Lindsay, there's exceptions. So this isn't a fully blanket statement that I'm throwing out here. But for the most part, they did not consistently get separation when they were playing against good defensive back play. And so I don't know if Auburn's receivers are going to consistently create separation this season. And so you've got a dude that is going to be able to give them a chance. I think his accuracy is very, very underrated, Lindsay. Yeah, it's the most frustrating thing when you are a fan from home watching a football game is when it feels like a wide receiver is just wide open. It's a coverage bust. They schemed him open, mm-hmm. and they got him there. And that's an element that Auburn has not had in the offense for, I'm going to charitably say, a decade? I mean, short of individual plays, I'm thinking about Sammy Coates in the Iron Bowl. Outside of like individual plays, you haven't really had those coverage busts where a guy was wide open. You're talking about scheming somebody open? Yes. Like yeah, just- 2013 and 2014. Yeah. He had some moments in 17, but consistently I'm with you, 13 and 14. Sure. Yeah. And so knowing that, one, this is an offense uh, coordinated by Philip Montgomery, 1L, very important. Exactly 1L L and Philip Montgomery. Yep. Not two, just one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but coordinated by him, Hugh Freeze coming in over the top to give adjustments, things that he's noticed. I feel confident that they're going to be able to to scheme guys open the first time in probably a decade, we'll have a coach that has experience and high level experience with passing offenses and getting guys open. It's funny how low the standards are for us. I'm like, just give me a guy open yeah. once a game uh-huh. open without having to beat a, a defensive back individually. But you combine that with the ability of a Peyton Thorne to place a ball where it needs to be. It gives you a bigger margin for error, right? You can take the small windows and make them a little bit bigger with really good ball placement. So while you're trying to get in your guys, trying to get in your receivers, the guys who are tailored to your scheme, you can bring in a guy with such good ball placement, like Peyton Thorne can help with that adjustment and that transition. Has me very excited for what this passing offense could do in 2023. And I think another thing that I wanted to pick at is a lot of people pointing out that he was quote-unquote worse this past season than he was his first year as a full-time starter, being worse in 22 than he was in 21. And statistically, that's true when you look at passing yardage, but I kind of think the thing that we need more in this Auburn offense is like completion percentage and accuracy. And he was 60% in 2021. He was 62% last year. But the offense just stunk, Lindsay. Like it stunk, and, and there were several moments where he'd put the ball into a, you know, a great place for a receiver, or when he was running across the field, and just consistent drops, consistent drops, or just the inability to play on a football. Now the question is, you know, folks that are maybe skeptical about this Auburn offense is like, is, is he suddenly in a better situation when it comes to you know passing guys? Like I don't know, 
I don't know as far as the receiving stuff goes, but just from an eye test standpoint, like he didn't just become a worse, uh, worse quarterback from 2021 to 2022. And I think this is the same group that talks about how like Nick Marshall didn't improve from 2013 to 2014, just because we won less games in 14 as we did in 13, but there's so much more that goes into it than this. But to say like Peyton Thorne isn't as valuable or isn't as symbolic of, you know, upside because he took a step back as far as passing yards go last year. I'm just, I'm not going to buy that. It is maybe a long summer because if that just bothers you, I'm going to say it over and over and over again. But I just watched his 2022 stuff. and I'm like, I think this is a pretty good quarterback. Far better than anything we've had since Jarrett Stidham. Nope, not true. 2019 Bo Nix was pretty solid. So the the two points I'll make to people who are making that, and I'm not going to belabor this for too long because I know we're mm-hmm. running on in the first segment here, is number one, 2021, he had Kenneth Walker beside him. One of the best running backs in college football. 22, he didn't necessarily have that. Well, what is the one position group on this team that we all said, hey, it's fantastic. You've got studs. You don't have to worry about improving this room because they're going to handle an SEC-type performance. Running back. Yes. The other point I'll make is statistically, he was down in 22 from 21. Okay. Pro football focus scores. His passing offense went from a 74 grade in 2021 to a 70.7 grade in 2022, which is, I mean, just mere percentage points different, despite the fact that he had a worse surrounding cast, a worse scenario as far as having to go to Michigan, having to go you know, on the road for a lot to Penn State, a lot of these games. He got in a worse situation with worse personnel, and his mm-hmm. grade was within the margin of error of being the exact same. To me, his, uh, his, his game against Michigan is worth watching, too. They get waxed, but it's not his fault. Yeah, I mean, he he did he does everything you need a quarterback to do to be successful and give your team a chance to win. And that's what Auburn's looking for. You're not looking for a guy that will single-handedly put the offense on his back and carry them to a national championship. You're looking for a guy who can raise the floor, raise the ceiling, and give you more versatility as far as running and reliably completing mm-hmm. passes. Like, we're quibbling over 60 versus 62% when the previous guy was under 50. like it's- So, I, I, I misspoke on something. I don't think he's better than Bo Nix. I think his situation, though, at Auburn is better than what Bo Nix had. So, I, I want before people light me up on that, I, I think Bo Nix had more upside, and I think that's clear exactly what it did at Oregon. All right, let's talk about some of these pass catchers that he may be throwing to. One, Caleb Burton, and two, are more wide receivers coming, Lindsay? We discussed this in just a moment right here on Locked on Auburn. You can make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Lindsay, you can bet on everything at FanDuel except what? Alabama baseball. Oh, can't bet, I can't bet on Alabama baseball. <laughs> But you can bet on the NBA. You can bet on some future stuff that's starting to pop up for the NFL. 
MLB is great right now. Yeah, be sure to, to bet on that. Ronald Acuna is still the favorite to win the MVP. You were not ready for that. But FanDuel is ready for you. There's no better place to bet on all of your action at America's number one sports book. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. You get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Auburn adds a commitment from former Ohio State wide receiver Caleb Burton. Lindsay, I talked highly about this kid when he visited Auburn, and I was pretty pessimistic with how it ended. I mean, he just like talked to reporters, and he was like, "Yeah, it's better than I thought it would be, but we'll see. <laughs> we'll see what happens." And then Peyton Thorne commits, and all of a sudden, I think there's a lot more interest to come play here if you're a wide receiver. And so, um, Caleb Burton, a former four star, he's undersized. He's like five. What do I have here? Five eleven, one seventy. Well, yeah, 169, which is nice. 170 is one pound more for sure. So I think, um, I don't know. I I just think when you look at what his ability is, I'm guessing he'll play the Y, which means he may take snaps away from Javarius Johnson or Coy Moore, assuming everybody's kind of where they were in the spring. Also assuming they are going to play him at the Y. They may move him outside. I I don't, that'd be a smaller outside receiver than what Hugh Freeze is normally used to, but still. Mm -hmm. Um, it gives you more options on at a position group that it doesn't sound like folks were too fired up about. Yeah, I mean, it's it's something where outside of Cam Brown, it feels like nobody in this room really has an argument to say, no, this should be my job. I should be the starter, and there shouldn't be a question about that. Uh, it's something where doesn't have any stats from Ohio State, last I checked, like nothing. Yeah, I mean, he redshirted last year. Yeah, but... We all, I remember during the coaching search, the conversations about like Brian Hartline, like, hey, should Brian Hartline be an offensive coordinator candidate? Should he be, I mean, he's well-respected former Ohio State wide receiver, well-respected as a coach of wide receivers, a recruiter. And so the fact that he wanted Caleb Burton to come to Ohio State and he brought him there and, you know, doesn't mean like I'm sorry, that that does mean that I have more confidence that Caleb Burton is better than what he has shown so far in college. Former four star out of college, I'm sorry, out of high school, uh, and in the state of Texas, where you have tons of competition, tons of high level competition. Sure, I'm excited about Caleb Burton in this offense. And yes, he's not prototypical size, but again, you're in that transitional year where you're trying to get your guys in. In an ideal world, he'd be in the slot, but. He has the skill set where he can play outside until we get those guys who would be prototypical Hugh Freeze outside wide receivers. And look, if you can run routes in today's version of college football, I mean, you can you can line up anywhere. I mean, we've seen. I mean, he's not the exact same build as you know um, the Slim Reaper that won the Heisman you know a few years ago at Alabama, but like it it's shown that you don't have to be this big imposing guy to create space for yourself. We talked about creating separation, you know, perhaps, uh, perhaps Burton can, can certainly do that. And you know, you, you talk about Brian Hartline wanting them, but I mean, just Ohio state wanting you at wide receiver. I mean, they make a pretty good case to be wide receiver. You right now over the last five years or so. I mean, it seems like every year they've got a, at least a, a top two, uh, round receiver drafted. Um, Dating back and, to Michael Thomas. I mean, uh, they they just consistently, consistently do that. And the guys that leave there, guys like a Jamison Williams. I mean, guys that leave there because of playing time reasons. I'm not saying Caleb Burton is a Jamison Williams. I'm saying that 
they have a ton of wide receiver talent, and it makes sense that they would have quality that would fall through the cracks because of red shirts and injuries and classes and just the way things shake out that can go out and light it up somewhere else. And so the fact that we have multiple years of eligibility of both a transfer quarterback and a transfer wide receiver should make you very excited if you're an Auburn fan because I'm going to put these guys, we're going to play matchmaker. We're going to put them together next week. They're going to be side by side all the time, building that chemistry, uh, running routes together, going to movies, eating dinner, everything you could double dates, whatever it is. Wow. So that in the fall, they know exactly what each other is thinking on the field and they can make the magic happen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think he's got a chance. Look, I, I think Hugh Freeze, if it's a tie, I think he's going to go to the guys that he brought in. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just kind of human nature to, to trust his dudes. So we'll see. And I think the timing of this, I don't think it's a coincidence. It certainly could be, but I just don't think it is. Do you think, this is an actual question, do you think, and let me know in the comments too because I'm genuinely curious. Do you think Burton commits if Peyton Thorne hadn't committed on Friday? I am not a Division One wide receiver, but if I was and Peyton Thorne was not committed to Auburn, I probably would be waiting to commit until I found out who was going to be the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Honestly, just based off of what you saw on the field last year, looking right. at whether it's the box score, whether it's film, whatever you saw, you're like, there's flashes of greatness. The pass in the Iron Bowl. We keep talking about that individual play, but the consistency wasn't there for me to know I'm going to be able to put up the stats I need to put up to get to the NFL where I can play on Sundays. Is it true that you did, not receiver, but is is it true that you ever played collegiate football, Lindsay? It is, actually. Is it true that you won a national championship? It, It is. Okay. Yes. All right. We'll leave yeah. that there. Yeah. We'll leave that there. All right. There Division are two, baby. Let's go. There are more receivers probably on the way. Lindsay, let's discuss that in just a moment right here on Locked On Auburn. Today's show brought to you by the Locked On Auburn Discord. Be sure to click it. It is free. All you have to do is click the link in the episode description down below. It's a great way to have access to me, to Lindsay, to Charlie Five, Daryl. Uh, Ferg's in there too. He may answer you. I don't know. We've seen him answer people before, so we'll see. We will see. Um, all right. Auburn hosted North Texas wide receiver Jair Shorter, and it sounds like Auburn absolutely killed the visit. Uh, he told Auburn Live, Auburn's on three site, quote, I'm supposed to go to Mississippi State, then Colorado, but after seeing this place, I had a good talk with Coach Freeze today. I'm going to see how it goes. My decision will probably be made very quickly. And so once again, we're seeing him absolutely just focus on talent acquisition and filling out this roster, Lindsay. And just so everybody knows, Jair Shorter, though his last name is Shorter, he is not short. He is 6'2", 218, according to the North Texas roster online. He is that prototypical outside receiver that Hugh Freeze looks for. And I, I want to make sure that like people are aware I'm going to tell you, in 2022, he played in 13 games. Okay? Mm -hmm. 23 receptions. Double-digit touchdowns. I was about to say, if you had to guess how many touchdowns, it would be double-digit. He averaged 27.3 yards per reception. 
23 catches for 628 yards and 11 touchdowns. He is actually the person that we thought all of these uh, short, fast slot guys shorter as far as being deep threats. He is shorter, but bigger and better than all of those guys were. And so, I mean, 27 yards a catch. Those are like video game numbers. I can't make that happen to do. on NCAA 14. It's yeah. fantastic. No, so that's just- great. That's great. That's certainly something that you want. And so I think level of competition is a concern, right? And so, you know, I think probably a big part of his recruiting pitch, whether it's Hugh Freeze, you know, whether it's Mississippi State, whether it's Colorado talking to him, which sounds like he's going to visit those places. But it's like, man, you know, if uh, we think you're good enough to do this and maybe you put something on tape to explain why. But I mean, the natural athleticism certainly seems to be there with Jair Shorter. And it's folks like this. This is why the portal, this this is the best part of the portal, in my opinion. You get a guy like Shorter that killed it at North Texas, and then he's able to kind of take that step up. We saw that last week. Um, when Auburn was able to go get the probably the most talented player on App State's roster. I mean, this is just this is the good part of the portal that that I think um, that I think a lot of these kids are going to be able to benefit from. So that's very very exciting. So we'll see. You know, I, I'm curious to see how quick those two visits are that he mentioned, Lindsay. But him saying that, you know, him telling AuburnLive.com that the decision will probably be made quickly. That that kind of makes me feel pretty confident about that so we will uh we'll see all right let's wrap up today's show with a huge dub an absolute huge dub by the auburn baseball team winning two out of three against the number one team in all of college baseball after winning two out of three on the road against the number two team in college baseball last week was south carolina this week it was lsu lsu's first series loss of the season yeah, wild it's- stuff It's something where Auburn had a unique strategy nobody's tried against LSU this year. And the strategy was, we're just not going to (sighs) lose. So LSU has what are considered to be the number one and number two picks in this year's MLB draft. You can trust me. I literally host a show called Locked on MLB Prospects. I do The the number one prospects podcast in the world. Thank you. And so Paul Skeen's, for LSU has the consensus best start I have ever seen from a college pitcher. It was he impressive. Absolutely dominant on Friday night. It was stupid. Seven in the third innings, 15 strikeouts, one walk, 110 pitches. He's pumping 99 mile an hour sinkers in the seventh inning. It's stupid. And it looks so easy. Like <sighs> it didn't even look like he was trying that hard. He's not even really exerting himself, and he's pumping 99 on pitch 109. Crazy. But what Auburn does is Auburn says, hey, we're going to move our number one guy to Saturday, and we're going to move our number two guy to Sunday. They get an extra day of rest. We don't have to put them up against Paul Skeens, and Mm -hmm. Auburn goes out and holds the number one offense in the country to 18 hits, yes, but eight runs in those two games wins them both. And it's just, it's a scenario where all year we've talked about the pitching wasn't quite there, right? The pitching has been struggling. They can't seem to hold a lead. They can't seem to get the swing and miss. Butch Thompson has fixed that. Yes. 
Tommy Vale goes out on Saturday. Tommy Vale's fastball is capping out at 92 miles an hour. There are change-ups that fast. Tommy Vale strikes out eight batters, gives up one earned run in his outing. Uh, you go to to Sunday, and you've got uh, uh, you've got Christian Herberholtz, and he gives mm-hmm. up one earned run in five innings. Auburn run rules the number one team in the country. The offense showed up. The pitching staff has finally figured out these are the roles we should be in. And this is now a team that two weeks ago we were discussing this is what you had to do to even make the postseason. They're doing it. And now they're 11-13, and 13, and they've their two series left are against two of the three worst teams left in the SEC in Missouri and Ole Miss. If Auburn... This is not going to happen. Clarify up front. If Auburn were to win out and win their last six conference games, a 17-win Auburn team is hosting a regional. Now, (laughs) I don't expect them to do that. But two weeks ago, we were discussing you had to sweep Mississippi State, you had to sweep Ole Miss, you had to sweep Missouri, and try to steal one against number two South Carolina and number one LSU. Instead, you won both of the series against the number one and number two team in the country. And you are definitely set to probably go from a number three seed to a number two seed in the postseason. Yeah. I mean, how much of a benefit of the doubt as far as seeding goes, will like Butch Thompson get and this program get, or is it all, is it all metrics and stuff? None of it's kind of eye test or anything like that. So what helps is the RPI is so good, right? You are, because you're playing in the, you're dealing with all of these really good teams who have really good schedules. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it comes to a tiebreaker, the SEC team is going to win that over an SEC team, over, I'm sorry, over an ACC team, over a Pac 12 team, over a, a Big Ten team, things like that. Auburn is sitting at number 28 in RPI, and you still have six conference games to go. I feel really good that Auburn's got the benefit of the doubt at this point. They've never they had they've never had that under Butch Thompson. They've never gotten credit for how good they've been. They finally have it. What happens if Agonzo comes back and he's like what he's been? What happens then? Is if another you, trip to Omaha possible? I think it is because Auburn's biggest issue all season had been figuring out that one through three. Right? Who was going to be your three starters who could reliably go four or five innings? every single outing, and we saw the Sunday blowups were because one of your starters on Friday or Saturday would get knocked out in the second, and you'd eat into that bullpen depth. If Gonzo comes back, a guy who pitched a complete game against Vanderbilt last year in a win, a guy that had five straight quality starts last season, if Gonzo could come back, then Gonzo, Tommy Vale, Christian Herberholtz, that one through three, is on par with just about any SEC teams one through three, maybe with the exception of Florida. Like it's one of the better rotations in the SEC. And that means you can pick and choose in the bullpen. When do I go to a John Armstrong? When do I go to a Will Cannon? When do I go to a Tanner Bowman? I've got guys in every single game now because I'm not calling on anybody until sixth. And if that happens, if Gonzo comes back and is the Joseph Gonzalez that we know, Auburn's going to Omaha. Book it. Let's go. Let's go. Lindsey Crosby, how can people check out everything you've got going on, buddy? 
I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. The sh- the the baseball show locked in MLB prospects available wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube. You can find the Auburn baseball writing AuburnDaily.com, the Atlanta Braves writing BravesToday.com. You can find all my written work at AuburnDaily.com. Tomorrow a Charlie Tuesday, and then also stay tuned. This week we'll have crossover episodes with our Locked On Spartans hosts as well as our Locked On Buckeyes hosts to learn more about these new. Auburn Tigers. Until then, we'll see you tomorrow. This has been Locked on Auburn.